0: Every Episcopal church has a board that's called a vestry. And the vestry oversees building and grounds and, and finances and perhaps more profoundly the, the spiritual feel of the place, the relationships, the religious side of our community's life. And every vestry has a chair that's called senior warden. And the senior warden has a, has a huge, important position, really that person's wisdom And experience and, hopefully, sense of humor makes a big difference in what the vestry and, ultimately, the community feels like. We have a great senior warden with a lot of experience and wisdom who served faithfully for several years, Tom Keys. And at the end of January of next year, we'll elect a new senior warden, and the one nominated is Lee Grinstead. She, too, has a lot of wisdom and experience and humor But I'm really thinking about all of this because in the Advent, I remembered something that one of my former senior wardens in my last parish told me. Every senior warden brings to that office his or her own experience and and background. And this particular senior warden was named Hal Medling, a tall, gentle soul who was a retired pilot. And one time we were facing something that I thought was a lot more complex than it actually was. And I was talking with Hal and he said, you know, Richard, you know what I used to do when I was a pilot? And I was on the cusp of something that I thought was going to be possibly an emergency. I said, no, Hal, I have no idea. (laughs) It made no sense to me whatsoever that he would You know, give me pilot advice when I'm a parish priest. So I said, No, Hal, I I don't know. He said, Every time I thought I was on the cusp as a pilot of something that could be an emergency, I didn't know for sure, but it could be. Here's what you do you order a cup of coffee. That literally was his advice. And what he meant by it was this don't overreact. Take the time that you do have in order to reflect and not react. Advent is is largely or in part about just that, that we actually have more time than we realize. Advent, most mysteriously, is about how our small place in time, our own individual lives are a part of this larger fabric that is God's time, that is God's eternity. I often think about how when we walk in this cathedral, you're so, one is so aware of just the architecture and, and becoming a, a small but important part of this larger fabric and canopy that's mysterious and, and interesting and large, and it, it places ourselves somewhere architecturally. The biblical story works the same way, and the biblical story is often about the passage of time. And when we really listen to it, just like architecture, we find our place within this larger canopy that we so often forget. The Bible has an architecture of time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1. Or my favorite passage about time, Ecclesiastes 3. For everything, there is a time and a season, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Or Matthew 28, verse 20, Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the ages. We're in the midst of God's time. But so often, if you're like me, you imagine the span of your life and you've got a frame around it and it leads out eternity. It leads out what God was doing before and what God will definitely be doing after I'm here. Or you look at just a snapshot of your life and you put a frame around it and you leave out what God will be doing in a new season This reading from the gospel about the virgin birth is a story about God's intimate involvement in the passage of time. That however you frame your life or frame life in general, God is in that frame doing something, involved, not as cause, but instead as spirit and as mystery. The best way to get at that, though, is to knock out what this story is not about. So the virgin birth bit, some people stumble over this. My favorite theologian said once that whoever recounted the virgin birth in Matthew and in Luke, and it's only in Matthew and in Luke, whoever recounted it, the last thing that author had in mind was parthenogenesis. That is a fancy word for reproduction. This is not a story about what did or didn't happen in a tent or a bedroom. Instead, it's a story about the mystery of God's involvement in our lives. It's not about magic. It's about mystery. And the clue to that is the fact that the most important parts of this story have everything to do with angels, dreams, and naming. The angel comes to Joseph. One of the easiest things to remember when it comes to biblical stories or history is Joseph in the Old Testament and the New Testament is a dreamer. Dreams change the course of Joseph's life always. And Joseph in the middle of the night is approached by this angel in a dream. The angel comes to him and the angel had already come, another angel named Gabriel, to Mary when Mary visited with Elizabeth about the conception of Christ. The biblical word for angel means messenger. Messenger always, the angel always comes with a particular message to you. I sometimes wonder if, if intuition, a gut feeling, is a kind of message from an angel. And this angel comes and it just changes the direction of Joseph and Mary's life. And this angel will come again shortly after Jesus is born and change the direction of the life into a more safe place. I am, I love the Bible, I love fantasy literature. So I love this series by Philip Pullman called His Dark Materials. Not if you know this. That's unfortunate. You're impoverished imaginatively if you've not read this. And, and, and this, this series is brilliant. It's actually two trilogies. Uh, he's just finished book two of the second trilogy, and I'm rereading book three of the first trilogy. And long story short, I was reading it last night, unrelated to Advent 4, and there's this incredible scene that has everything to do with angels. There's this 12-year-old kid named Will... And Will, is, his life and his best friend's life are, are totally at risk. It's a terrible moment. And Will is talking with this angel and this angel is trying to help him and he's trying to figure out how to see the angel. There are two of them, actually. And the narrator tells us that, that Will realizes that he can see the angels better when he doesn't look at them directly. So he just has to look at them out of the corner of his eye it's a powerful image and especially when you know Philip Pullman's actually an agnostic and he nails this religiously and spiritually what this is like the angels often come to us and this is why we don't see them from the periphery of our lives from what is subtle and mysterious and small and seemingly insignificant that's where they are and that's why we don't look Or take the time. They're not obvious. And then the bit about the dream where this angel comes from. There's so much that could be said, but I'll say one thing. An Episcopal priest a couple decades ago wrote a book called Dreams, God's Forgotten Language. It's God's forgotten language, not because God's forgotten about it, because we have. It's one of the most ancient and powerful ways that the divine communicates to us in our sleep. These crazy images and patterns that recur if we pay attention over the course of our lives. God's forgotten language and Joseph's paying attention. And then the name, the whole thing hinges upon this name. They shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That's, the, that's it. It's Christmas right there. God is with us. This is not just a story about history. It's a story about the present and the future. It's not just a story about Mary or Joseph. It's a story about me and you. It's not just a story about a single infant. It's a story about all of humanity It's the gospel. This is the beginning of the gospel. With the birth of this infant, there's this message of good news and hope and love and justice and beauty for the whole cosmos, for every single person, which means the angels come to us too. We too are dreamers. Our life matters. It has dignity, mystery, and meaning in abundance, in spades. So, if you're ever on the cusp of what you fear might be an emergency, or you may suspect is a gigantic mystery, order a cup of coffee, or a cup of tea, if that's your cup of tea. And look for the angel who's always on the periphery coming from what is subtle. And remember that strange dream from last night. For Christ was and is born in the middle of all that.